Oh no. yeah, you're if you believe in God, right? Like if you ever believed or if it crossed your mind um, to consider it. I don't know. I don't think I believe in God. That wait, hang on. I don't believe in God. That's probably the right thing to say. But <laughs> it's there's also a sense of I haven't read the Bible. Right. Like you don't have enough. Yeah. So, I, so the idea of what God is, mm. I only know that based on the social interactions I've had with people. Right. You know, I only know that from, well, for example, being in a church or someone saying, oh, you don't want to believe that. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like the only way that I've learned realistically is through social interactions. Right. There was a time where so my ex-girlfriend actually had a Bible in her bedside drawer. And one time I opened it up. I was like, how much should I read this? And I just put it down and read it. And it's like, I guess there's a pursuit for not of... There's a pursuit in myself for knowledge about the subject. Mm. And then I, I just see things happening in the world. For example what's going on now in Ukraine and I just that's that's where I'm like well and that's where I struggle with the the idea of it because there's a lot of suffering in the world and I guess I also accept that for society to function there's got to be a certain amount of suffering yeah. but we should be doing our best to mitigate the suffering yeah. and what irritates me is that you have situations where a country is just getting surrounded mm. by another country and innocent people are going to die. Mm. Hopefully not. Yeah, because this is the reality, right? Yeah, because of these hyperinflated egos of these politicians or people in power who think that they, yeah, we, we, we are, we're doing the right thing for this nation. And right. it's like, well, is it really? And it, then, then I start going, well, if that's happening... Is there actually a God? Like if, if there's these bad right. things happening, is there actually a God? This is the question. This is what we were talking just now. I, I lost the thing in my brain, but this is one of the main questions in evangelism that people ask is, so if God is real, why does he allow pain and suffering? It's the main question. I'm telling you, every person I've met has asked this question. It's like, I, I met a Buddhist on the train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this dude's great. But... My mom, oh, sorry, I interrupted you. No, it's fine. Yeah, I'm interrupting you now. The Buddhist on a train, is it by any chance a guy selling a book called uh, Can't or something? No. No, okay. Because there's a guy who walks around with Ipe Pablo. Is it yeah. art? Is it like a, is it like a, sorry, is it a, is it a book about Buddhism? I think so, yeah. Or is it a book about religion in general? Buddhism, I think. Yeah, it's not the same guy. Okay. <laughs> this okay. dude has blonde hair. Yeah. Wait, maybe it's the same dude. But this guy was all the way in Moravia. We met him in a train in Moravia. Where's that? Oh, sorry. That's just a different part of Czech Republic. Okay. Um, it's where my mom was born. Um, but it's like near Brno. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we we met him, but he wasn't the one who asked. No, he was. He was the one who asked first because I was reading my daily bread. Mm-hmm. And he was like, uh, what's that? You know, out of nowhere. My mom's like really tipsy, so she's just really careful of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'll answer. So I said, oh, it's just like daily bread. And um, I had like these church cards with me 
Where are the conversations going? <laughs> it's going somewhere. Like, it doesn't matter where you thought it was going, it's going to somewhere. <laughs> True. Um, and we started talking and he started telling me, yes, that's where we're going. <laughs> he basically started telling me like, oh, you know, I believe in Buddhism and da-da-da-da. He started explaining Zen to me, like the meaning of Zen. And like, I don't remember a lot from the conversation, to be honest, but I remember he was talking about that. And, and I remember he, he was just explaining all these different aspects, all these different elements of Buddhism, like which t- like tier he's in or something like this, and the life that he leads. And I was, I was explaining to him like what the daily bread was, the devotionals, and then he started talking about Christianity. And he was explaining to me, um, he started getting frustrated, and he said, he said, you know, but I don't understand um, because I, have, I actually wanted to be Christian. And he said, like, I do believe in the Christian God, but I'm stuck. Where are you stuck? And I'm thinking, where could it be? But that's the question. Why would God allow human suffering? But before he got to that point, he said something interesting. Like, I don't understand how Jesus was resurrected. That's where a lot of people get stuck. Mm. Right? How does this guy from some time ago just rise up and disappear from the grave? Mm-hmm. Right? And he said he doesn't understand how a human being could resurrect himself because Jesus is, you know, getting that power. Anyway, long story. But how is that happening? And so he, he starts explaining to me, like, he can't believe that. He, it just doesn't make any sense to him. And that's why he couldn't follow Christianity, though he believed God exists. So then I said to him, like, so does that lead you to another question, though? Because it seems like your your faith stopping at that point, getting stuck in the logical box is what I call it, mm-hmm. right? Would there be maybe a root question that led you to that? Somehow he linked up suffering and pain. I don't know how, but he did. And he said to me, I don't understand how pain and suffering could ever be allowed by God if he has the power to do what he needs to do in the world. And it is honestly like, I'm not going to fully answer the question. It is a very hard question to answer. Um, that would be something you'd ask a theologian. So they can explain that to you because all I can tell you is that there is a spiritual world, there's spiritual warfare, and it's not as simple as God does everything wrong. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's not as black and white as I think people think it is. There's a gray area a pretty freaking big one and there is stuff happening that we don't see demonic things great things bad things so on one hand you could say why would god allow this or you could say okay but you can't completely shift the blame onto god mm-hmm. right though he is all powerful he gave us free will good conversation topic right mm-hmm. i remember i had this conversation with you in the car very short one but it was good about if free will exists or not but if you believe that free will exists and that God gave it to you, which is what his claim, then in this case, you could say that because we have free will, that the ability for a negative to happen does exist. Because God God is giving you that freedom. He's giving you the gray area willingly, right? Because he's not controlling you like a robot, saying you can do what you want to do. And so, I mean, okay, that goes to the topic of predestination, but we all avoid that. Because that's like really deep and scary. But uh, that's another 10-hour conversation. But that's just how I see it. That if we have free will, there's 
there's the opportunity for gray area. And I know that then brings up a lot of other questions, but that's as far as I've gone. That because that gray area exists, there is spiritual warfare, there is a, a world that we cannot see, that is demonic, that Satan is using to attack different areas of the world. There can be, it can be a ge geopolitical stance, it can, be, um, it can be a psychological stance, a psychological mm -hmm. warfare, it can be through things like social media, it can be through things like um, politics, it can be through things like this kindergarten, right, through mm -hmm. different people. It can be many different aspects of life, family, whatever, maybe a relationship, maybe friend, whatever. So that's like, I don't know, that's the best way I can explain it, is that there's a whole other aspect to it that a lot of people don't know because they haven't, they haven't looked at the fact that it could even be real, that the spiritual world could be real. So a lot of people say it was God, but it could be the spiritual world also affecting, right? demonic aspect of it affecting different areas does that make sense of pain yeah. and suffering i i think i understand your point i think that let's say for example palestine the area of palestine arguably this is a statement i don't want to get taken out of context is going through demonic where innocent people are dying yes. and it's over belief systems and you can argue that that is not good for society. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, I think that the good and bad things are part of human nature. Mm -hmm. I think that it's like, okay, I keep going to talk about Nazis. It's all good. So it's like, over time, if, if, like, when you look at these terrible things, let's say communism or uh, fascism. fascism, these horrible belief systems, they started off with, okay, in Nazi Germany, let's clean out the factories and let's make the factories very clean. And then it was like, let's rid society. Obviously, this is a big jump, but it's like, let's rid society of the vermin. And it happened one step at a time. Mm -hmm. And it was realistically, so you could believe, yeah, we should get rid of the vermin in the our manufacturing plants, the right. rats that are in our the manufacturing genocide. plants. The genocide, I mean, the... As in, just the, so the cleansing of society on a small scale started with like cleaning up the manufacturing plants in Germany. Then it was like it just escalated further and further and further, mm -hmm. and I can see how that German society ended up in that situation mm -hmm. because you you're so you're so passionate in what you believe. It's like yeah, we're we're German nationality. Yes, mm -hmm. oh this is a good idea. Yeah, let's 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 exterminate the Jews, and then people's belief systems get wacky because that's what's in the face is being told that's the right thing to do mm. and like after World War 2 you had to basically get people's psyches away from being a Nazi because mm. the propaganda that they was getting was like for example I know that there is a concentration camp in the Czech Republic that was used specifically by Terezin I can't remember the name of it. It was used by 
Nazi Germany mm. to basically show the rest of the world like this is the life that the Jewish people are living look how good it is and then they stopped them right yeah and it was like yeah but they have these friends and the, the, the media could then show that it's like no the, the, the Nazis are doing great and then mm. it, for a German person it's like yeah it's great but for us once the UK and, and America the Allies went and found the concentration camp it was like wow what's happening and you had to show that to the society you had to show that to the German people and say look this was what was actually going on in your society right and to them their belief system it was a good thing to do it was the right, right. thing to do but then in ours it's like whoa <laughs> it's like that, that is definitely not the right thing to do so it's what that's what I find so strange is that in these different parts of the world it can be considered to be doing a good thing and I I can't get my head around why. Why is it that in that specific time frame mm. it was considered normal for that to be going on? And the people who were in then concentration camps who did the killing mm. believed that it was, yeah, that they were doing this for the greater cause. And it, that, that's, it's, that's demonic. It's, it's, and so this, I guess this is my, my struggle with it where it's like, how much it's like how much suffering can happen because okay if using specifically Nazi Germany but we could go you could go down the route of communism mm. you could go down the route of China and the, or you could go down the route of the rape North of Nanking Korea North Korea you could go down the route of route of the rape of Nanking by or Japan you could go to right now which is Australia who's literally in a police state and they have concentration camps essentially for people who are unvaccinated or not unvaccinated but they had COVID is that wrong or right Either or, they shouldn't be putting people in camps. Is this, this is camps of forced labour? No, but people are calling it that because they're not allowed to leave. Like they're like these little placement houses, and they're not allowed to leave. There's one video of this woman like she steps onto like this terrace, and she's like, "So if I step on the ground, I, have, I get a five thousand dollar fine." Hmm. And they're like, "Yeah," and they're like threatening her that if she steps out of the terrace, she's gonna get a five thousand dollar fine. They're like not allowed to leave the little like house they're in. So and that's because they've got COVID. I think, either that or they're not vaccinated. But I think it's because of COVID, not unvaccinated. I know that Melbourne had the longest lockdown in the world, and when I went back to England for Christmas, I met a step relative, and they were living in Melbourne. And just their attitude towards COVID was, uh, it was like it was at the start. The fear was still there. Whereas I feel like in, for example, in England, after a while, people were, okay, I, I do think that, I think COVID exists. Definitely, if you're not going to, it's it very is, yeah. stupid to say that it doesn't exist. I think that there's a group of people who are going to get more sick than other groups of people that was obviously displayed in the data yeah, that is really true though they're saying that if you have predisposition medically you could be affected like if you have heart disease right mm, uh, yeah actually um yeah so it's people with pre-existing health conditions would most likely i'll stop talking because
Carlos and the mic's probably picking up the sound. It's like the it's like a, a so authentic because you know, <laughs> <laughs> live in the experience. <laughs> but when I when I did Jacob's podcast, he just has like the coffee machine on in the background. It's pretty easy. He's a he's a cool guy. Um, what's the next part? Yeah, so like uh, in England, it was pretty strict. It was pretty strict, and then it got to like May, June, and. There was a guy called Dominic Cummings, and he, he he got caught to go on a massive trip in England to a castle, and he, he basically was like, I was testing my eyesight to see if I could drive home, if I was sick, and it ended up just being a lot of bullshit. And well, that's it, right, you were telling me about this. It, yeah, was, yeah. it was a lot of bullshit, and that started to change people's approach, because it was like, why are we following the rules? And yeah, the people why are we power, complying? Why, and people in the power aren't, people in power are not following they the rules. They were partying. Yeah, well, now there's the story is there's been multiple parties during that period of time from May. Oh, like people who couldn't attend funerals and see their babies yeah. and like. And. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty fucked up that the people who were giving out these orders to say that you're supposed to follow these rules mm. didn't follow them themselves. Oh, man. Like, so the, the funny thing that came out the other day... It's a bit suspicious. That's what it is, too. Yeah, and I think that this suspicion can... <laughs> so, for example, I'm, I can be quite like a, a untrustworthy of the government. Mm-hmm. Based on what? Well, based on the Since story. Since the age of eight. <laughs> <laughs> Since the age Daily. of eight. <laughs> uh, we must turn the system over. Go to a communist state. Uh, <laughs> You're just sitting here in church like... <laughs> um, and, you know, these stories that you hear with the having parties are, make you question the legitimacy of everything. So you're like, hang on a minute, if they're partying, then it mustn't actually be that bad at all. Mm. It mustn't be that bad at all. And that, you know, so I think some people are really down the hole of, like... I don't want to say conspiracy theories. You know what? I, you know what I don't like about conspiracy theories, right? They used to be. They used to be fun. To be now, in. they just come true. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, is it so? Like used to, it they got politic politicized. Is that the right word? Like conspiracy theory was like, oh yeah, you know, they, they, this and this and this is quite interesting. And obviously, it was about a political event. But then it became like, oh. Don't listen to any of these conspiracy theories. It's become like a very, very political thing, mm. and you can get labelled as such. Yeah. And I think there's nothing with just questioning things. There is nothing wrong with questioning a lot of things that are happening, like the CIA files that were released, Cambridge Analytica. That stuff should be questioned. A lot of stuff that we think is normal should be questioned. And again, from a Christian perspective, this role right now is actually what I want to quickly come back to. Mm-hmm. You said um, you were talking about human nature. Mm-hmm. I think it's human nature to react certain ways. So from a Christian standpoint, right now, Satan is running the, the planet, right? He has, like, dominion over it. And so in that case, everything, if you if, if you say we're born a sinner, means human nature is sin. So that's why when you said human nature, immediately I thought, ah, okay. But from a Christian standpoint, if you apply, if you say that you have human nature, that's why, that's where a lot of Christians say it is vital to turn to God so that you can 
so that you can see that you can come out of that. Not say that you can be God, right? But recognize salvation. So like that's another part of just seeing that black and white and the gray area as well. And free will is where you choose to follow God. Right, and you were saying uh, you grew up. Sorry, I'm going all the way back. It's fine. It's fine. Um, you said you grew up and you went to church, and I'm guessing it was pretty traditional, right? Yeah. And you had to dress up nicely and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So, you know, that's also where everything is black and white, mm-hmm. where you're not taught the spiritual aspect of Christianity. I think, um, where I mean, I went to a, I went to a school. I, I did not mention this. I should have. I went to a school um, in South Africa where I learned about, or I also did hymns. We also sang mm-hmm. a lot of hymns, and we had a principal who would say, uh, he he would like he would say verses from the Bible or read parables, and that's that's like <clears throat> how I came to just you know, love you Jesus, you know, or water you turn into wine, whatever song. So that was traditional to me, but then when I experienced the spiritual side of things, that changed up what human nature meant. It changed what sin meant, and it changed what salvation meant as well. So I think, like, looking at looking at the world through the lens of why is God doing this to the world? Like, why does God allow certain things? It I don't know. I think it's just it's worthy. It's worth to, it's worth looking at it through through the lens of salvation and what what we can do as human beings with human nature and moving forward to to get closer to God. And also changing the process. Because there are people who are just, I don't know how to explain it. Um, like, people who say they've been to prison. Mm-hmm. Right? They did really bad things. And then they find God. And it just revolutionizes their entire world. Right? Their actions start changing. And they start moving forward in a different direction. So that, I feel like that also that's a really big part of the world changing. If, if people want things to change, then in my opinion, a lot of Christian values del- like not delegate, navigate that result. Mm-hmm. Am I making sense? Like I think the need, that like the understanding of salvation and human nature as a separate entity of our character as human beings, like the opportunity to change, like is a really big, good part of like mental health. Does that make sense? I'm like yeah. being really sporadic and vague with what no, I'm saying. You're bouncing around with the different topics, but I'm, I'm understanding what you mean. Okay, yeah. good. It's fine. Um, so yeah, that's just like what I wanted to add about human nature. Then you said that like that that would be a Christian standpoint when you say human nature. That's what we think that human nature is not part of our character entirely, because you are asking for the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is working through you, and that way your behavior changes. I mean, even even I noticed like. When I swear, I can feel it. I'm like, ooh. You know, like, I can feel there's something not right there for me. And that's when I know the Holy Spirit's kind of like tugging me. Like, okay, you know, change this. Or if I'm in a really bad situation, listen, if I'm in a really bad situation, I know when the Holy Spirit is telling me no. And that's that That's that uh, character change that happens. You know, the habitual state changes as well. It's like being or having human, having... Uh, my words are failing. You know when you, you know when you follow the nature of uh, human, the standard of human nature. <laughs> Why is my brain glitch? <laughs> Just like, if you follow the standard of human nature, then you are only 
then you are stuck to that standard. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But as a Christian, there is a way out. So, okay. For example, lying or stealing, right? If you have, if you're, uh, what is it kleptomaniac? Uh, I don't know. It's like when you steal stuff and you have like a problem with stealing. Like hoarding? Or it's like when you constantly steal stuff. Like I, if I steal this pot, why am I not looking? Mm-hmm. Kleptomaniac, I think it's called. Let's go with that. Um, clef or clef. Anyway, one of the two um, is when you steal, when you obsessively steal things mm-hmm. and you can't stop. And you, sometimes people don't even remember they're stealing. Yeah. Or there is a one case, I was listening to this one woman speak, I think it was either on a sermon or on Facebook. One of the two. <laughs> and she was explaining how she was on the phone with someone and she was just like, it was like somebody was telling her that the package was going to be like a few minutes late. And she was like talking to this guy on the phone. And like two minutes later, the, the guy said, okay, ma'am, um, I will put you on to another, like I'll refer you to another. She said, why? And this guy said, you're just, you're swearing so much. I can't take it. And she passed the phone. <laughs> and he sent her to some other dialogue or something because he couldn't deal with it. And she said she didn't, she didn't even know that she was swearing. So I think that that's what Christianity does. It, or at least, hold on. I think that's what the Holy Spirit does. It pulls you out of this place of uh, ignoring bad habits mm-hmm. and puts you in the mirror. It says, hey, look at yourself and think about what you can do. Take accountability. You know, and instantly your standard goes up for yourself and you start to self-improve. And that, that human nature, now you suddenly, oh, wait, there's a, there's a way out. I can actually improve from this and this. And suddenly that your, your mental state starts to change. Mm. Yeah, I understand. I think you can get that as well without being sure. religious. For example, my thing is not drinking. I've noticed incredible changes to my life which Mm. I've had so not drinking has had like a snowball effect Mm. where it's like okay you stop drinking and then okay you've dealt with one problem but then you have the capacity to deal with more problems Mm. and I think correct me if I'm wrong what you've been saying is so you have the human nature which is which is born with and things are happening but then you have that voice in your head you're like oh hang on a minute Conscience. Yeah. And your conscience is saying, is this the right thing to do? Mm-hmm. So. There's that moral compass. That mo- So, conscious. Consciousness. The moral compass, as you would say, in your uh, religious belief, is that's the Holy Spirit. Consciousness. Sure. I think that would be the secular term, right? Your conscience is telling you. Don't take heroin. Be careful. Mm-hmm. But people and say that they're not going to take heroin and they still end up doing it. Because that's like the human nature part. But then when they can break away from that, that's like the spiritual part of like, well, Christianity guided them away from it. So. Yes, in a sense, you still have Christians who who practice and they, they speak to God, but they still struggle with they still struggle with drugs or something like this. And the fundamental part is actually asking God for help. Because mm-hmm. let's say you have a porn addiction, mm-hmm. right? And it's causing you to default relationship-wise, um, with, your, with your family, whatever. And it's causing you to be perverted. And you can't stop thinking about that. Mm-hmm. You're a Christian. You're, you know, you're, for yourself, you feel bad about it because it's affecting your life. 
but you don't turn to God because you have too much pride. So you try yourself. Mm-hmm. You try over and over and over again for like months or years, whatever some people do. And then one day you're like, okay, so you give it to God. That's when the change happens. Mm-hmm. You start to see the Holy Spirit work in your life. And it's not just in your mind. It's through other people. Like, some maybe suddenly someone can text you, hey, um, I noticed you have this problem. Mm. Or God told me that I needed to contact you about this. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about it? About something that you really need to talk about, or your addiction, you have mm. an addiction, and he told me to contact you. Da-da-da-da. Do you want to talk about it? And you're like, how did that person know? I didn't talk to him for like three months. That's what I mean when I say Holy Spirit. It's not just in your head. It can be through other people. It can be prophetic. So that's like in tongues, through mm-hmm. others. Or like um, it can be through worship too, right? You can be you can be worshiping God and receive something from Him. So Holy, uh, Holy Spirit, you can put it in terms of conscience. But at the same time, it doesn't always function like your conscience, right? It's not just a voice that says do this or that. It can also be it can also be direction from others. Holy okay. Spirit works through other people. So I guess for me, this is what I've called a winks from the universe, so to say. Oh wow, okay. So, so we've met at a lot. Yeah, I've met a lot. So cool. I'll give you a, uh, an example of so when I went back to England, I was out with uh, one of my friends, Bennett and James Watson. And one of the friends was there. And I was talking to him and he was he was saying that he'd been in like quite a bad place and he just mentally he wasn't going through a good scenario and he listened to my podcast with my friend Ben and he listened to that podcast because he played football with my friend Ben years ago and he's like he found that connection and in my mind I was like oh wow that's interesting because I didn't know that they had that connection connection and So this big like little that happened when he was telling me, and then we were, we were gonna arrange to go uh, rock climbing together or something, but it never it never happened because someone got COVID and it just it fell it, the plans fell through. But that conversation happened, and as a conversation I would never have had if I started didn't start doing the podcast or didn't ask my friend to do the po- do the podcast with me, and if he just if he wasn't going through that period of his life, he probably might have not clicked on it. If he never went and played football years ago, we would have never known that person. So that's when I'm like, oh, this is strange. Because I, I, I do find everything to be connected. I find it to be, you don't you don't know. You, mm-hmm. like, I, I, that's my, what drives me is like, I might ha- have an answer in my head. Mm-hmm. And I go, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know sure. if that is going to happen. So yeah. you could say, for example, when I was starting the podcast, I was thinking, oh, people might to it people all these things mm-hmm. but it's like, I was like how, do I, how do I know how do I know that's going to happen I don't have any you have facts. no exactly you can't predict you can yeah. just you can just worry it'll bring you to the same yeah. conclusion oh so I was talking about winks from you oh that's I, right I think I have stolen that phrase to be honest to say that that's what I call it but I found a guy I watched I watched Joe Rogan podcast and there was a guy who went on Joe Rogan and what does that mean He's a bit probably. He's, I think he's the most popular podcaster. Yeah. Oh yeah, I do know him. I've yeah. seen him on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he had a guy on multiple times called Duncan Trussell, and then he had a. That's an awesome name. Yeah, it's cool. What cool. The heck? 
He's got his own podcast and he made a Netflix show called The Midnight Gospel, which was... I've heard about... I, I watched like an episode of that. It's animated, right? It's animated, but it's, I think it's taken from clips of the podcast. So it's just so chaotic. Like, I, know, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I noticed that. I was like, what is this? Yeah, so like they're talking about, like I think, legalizing marijuana. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. like the first yeah, episode yeah. or something. And there's like a, a giant alien eating Washington, D.C. And it's like the White House and everything. It's just crazy. It's just crazy what's going on. But I just liked his personality. And then in one, um, I think it was a clip on YouTube where he's talking to Alex Gray, which is a visionary artist mm. who he's into. He smokes DMT and paints what he what's sees. What's DMT? DMT is, I think it's the most potent psychedelic drug that you can take oh, and people have life changing experiences taking these psychedelic oh. drugs and Joe Rogan and I'm pretty sure Duncan Trussell have done DMT and they speak about it a lot in the podcast mm-hmm. um, my drum teacher actually has done DMT and he said he was blasted into the universe and had like this awakening uh, yeah but I was, so I was talking about the a specific person who came up to me and said that they listened to one of my podcasts and my friend was talking about CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy and that's really psychedelic drugs right no, no it's just like uh, oh, cog- okay. it's just a form of therapy and it's looking at your behavior and analyzing your behavior and okay. understanding potentially how your behavior might make you feel a certain way mm-hmm. about your life that's what he's gone through but it was it was just interesting that I live here and I know that I do I do the podcast and I live in my own little world and then I went back to England and there was this guy who I haven't seen in years and he was telling me I was like oh yeah I listen to that that's fucking so strange and then a few people said they listened to the one with James because that's part of the friend group but it, yeah it was just it was interesting that's the blank right that you're talking about the bl- yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I got the the wink from the universe from a Duncan oh, Trussell, a Duncan Trussell clip where he's saying that I can get like these kisses from the universe or winks from the universe, and I found I found that to be a nice expression to kisses. say. <laughs> so cute. I, I think it's so that's like po- popular in the people who are into psychedelics, mm. um, and I I am interested in like psychedelics and mm. the power that can give to a person and how it can change someone's life yeah. uh, for example the, the the idea of stopping drinking came to me while i was on a magic mushroom trip okay you have to explain this to me what is what is that uh, magic so magic mushrooms are mushrooms that grow in the ground that you okay can, you can go get them and pick them it's like when them. animals get high right they eat the mushrooms yeah yeah technically and we can get high from eating these magic mushrooms which is quite funny that they're illegal because they grow in nature so for example in the czech republic you can go and buy magic mushrooms in certain seriously yeah and (laughs) it's a part of life realistically it grows and it has an effect on your mind now okay there's reasons why they're illegal you can die on them right i'm guessing (laughs) <laughs> potential and I don't know if there's been any recorded deaths related to psychedelic drugs I know that there's people have gone a little bit loopy from them because it's definitely like impossible. LSD maybe LSD yeah 
Uh, really, there's people who've murdered other people who have been molested. Yeah, so, well, yeah. I know that only because I saw, I forgot his name. Charles Mudd. Yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> so, there's, it's, that's a, a mucky story, and I'll tell you Because he didn't think. really kill, but, uh, but he manipulated, apparently. I don't know, this whole thing is like, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, well, there's I also... I enough to talk about it. I'm pretty sure LSD was being used by the CIA to uh, inject people with this drug as like a mind control also experiment. Nazis they were injecting methamphetamines oh, okay. to get them to stay awake and like do things apparently yeah. yeah it's true so what what I found so interesting is the fact that this thing just grows in society obviously LSD doesn't but made but uh, magic mushrooms just grow right. normally naturally they grow so the first time I taken them it was strange I did it with my ex-girlfriend and that was really weird. Like she was crawling around on the floor naked and going ah, like screaming. <laughs> I was stood staring. I was I was stood like this on the hotel bed. I'm stood up, by the way, for people listening. Staring in the mirror, and I was like, oh, no. My 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 body's getting small. Like I was seeing the past in my body, but my head was staying the same size. So it's stuff that is not tangible, right? Experiences that are not tangible becoming tangible in your understanding. Yeah, it's, yeah. so it's just, you could argue that, so what you mentioned before is like the journey of uh, Christianity, where it's the path, giving you some sort of path. Path it, to your calling or purpose to get closer yeah, to God, right? Yes, and so the, the second time, sorry, the, the, the third time that I've done Magic Mushrooms was with my best friend. And I just turned to him. At that moment in time, I was going, drinking a lot. And I knew that I didn't like it, but I just continued in that pattern. Right. That's you were stuck with a habitual state of drinking. I was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, go out. Sunday, wake, wake up with just disgusting anxiety. And think, oh, no, what have I done? What have I done? And then do it again. Just pattern mm-hmm. repeat. And then... I just had this moment where I just turned to my best friend and I was like, I don't like drinking. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I, just don't, I don't enjoy it. Right. I don't know why I do it. And I didn't I didn't instantly change. It's not like I was like, boom, boom next day, right. running five kilometers a day, doing 100 press-ups a day, you know, eating fruit. Becomes John Cena. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, that, that didn't happen <laughs> overnight, but it pla- that was like the seed. Mm. It was like, no, actually, I don't like drinking. And I was doing other things. I can't completely say that it was wholly related to psychedelic drugs because mm. I'd been traveling a little bit at that time period so that changed my perspective you go through different life experiences but it, it gave me a bit of a push right towards becoming sober or not drinking and then I'd say four months after that three four months maybe mm. I decided to stop drinking and it was like over time it just became less and less and less because I was spending more of my money going traveling wow and then I just was like, yeah, I'm not doing it anymore. And then that's when like the snowball effect started to happen where I still went through struggles of... Of course, yeah. You craved it probably, yeah. right? Well, you, when you're in a routine and it's like you have that, you could say, argue addiction. Mm-hmm. And that's what you used to. Then now you've got this, this, this found time that you didn't have before. Right. And it's like, oh, what do I do with this time? What do I do? And that it's a champagne problem. Oh, what do I do with this free time that I've got? And then I got into... Uh, mountain climbing like hiking up mountains mountain I got into just like different things I started learning the drums it was like all these different things I've always wanted to do 
I started to do. Right, because you have the energy to do them as well. Yeah. Because alcohol takes away that energy from you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's how psychedelics uh, guided me towards wow. uh, drinking. Yeah, I, I, I see exactly what you're saying. I do. I watched, a, I watched a documentary. I don't know the name of it, but you've probably seen it. It's like kind of gone viral. But it's a documentary on mushrooms, and this guy explains like from when the spurs are out in the soil to like exactly his whole experience with psychedelics and like when he took the mushroom mm-hmm. and he, like climbed up a tree and like was like weird and like, he explained. You know what I'm talking uh, about? He climbed up a tree and there was a storm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Paul Stamets, I think his name. Probably, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. But that was an incredible documentary. Like I really loved watching that. It was mm-hmm. so interesting. Like just wow. And this really cool camera work too like the photography was phenomenal mm-hmm. um, so also I was speaking to a friend uh, Miranda she also does podcasts here in Prague okay. and she does it for Youth Praha so it's like where we went to the bridge centre um, and she, she does them I think every Friday and so and she talks about different topics as well it's really interesting brings different people on there and uh, we were having a conversation like last year, June, I think. And we started talking about like the good tap and the bad tap. And so I, I think I have a unique perspective on like, uh, we were talking about like how, how great things can be provided by negative sources. And this is an iffy subject because I'm not aiming it at you, but it made me think about a lot of people who have told me, who have told me like, oh, but you know, what if Satan provides what if Satan provides a value, a good value to your life, you know, like financial fruitful experiences or um, good finances or provision, right, where you can have a good family or, or this or that or, I don't know, any type of good experience or good good measure. And, like, we ex- she explained it to me the way she sees it is there are two taps. There's the good tap and the bad tap. And in the spiritual world, right, if you... If you open the tap that is bad, mm-hmm. you can get, if you ask Satan for something, right? If you're like, hey, <laughs> I need money. I'm struggling, right? You're going to that tap. You're turning that tap for that water and you're filling that glass and you're drinking it. He's going to give it to you. Doesn't mean it's coming from good source, mm-hmm. but you're still going to get it, mm-hmm. right? Then you have the other side where you go to God for it. And there is a stupid verse. I wish I had a better memory. I could just like tell you all these verses and my Bible's all the way there. But it's taking the narrow path is the path that God wants you to take. And so when you're talking about these like psychedelics and how it brought you to a place, I wonder in my mind, and I'm not telling you that it is this, mm-hmm. right? It were, This universe is huge. You could be right. So from my perspective, I always wonder like, is that from God? Or is that from the other source? Do you know what I mean? So you're saying, okay, so... You, you can, one of them is advocating. They have different intentions, but one of them is advocating for that experience. So you could follow, okay, so you could follow the path of, let's say, let's say Satan. Let's say you want to get well, fucked up, you want to be drinking. Yeah, you could go down that path and drink and drink and drink. But somewhere down the line, you're going to see that path appear. You're going to see that, like, you know, you should be doing this. Mm. You should be doing this. And guided by either 
bad intentions, it's going to call out for you. Is that what you're trying to say? I don't know. It's a really strange way of explaining it. Maybe explain it differently. Okay, so let's say I'm, I'm aiming at something with good intentions. Mm -hmm. And let's say now, my job, I'm doing my job, good intentions, I'm earning money, mm -hmm. I'm doing something with my kids, providing an experience. But I've decided to leave the job based on things I've seen, which I believe to be unethical mm -hmm. and not right. And that's guiding me to a path. In the past, when I've been drinking and doing things that I believe I shouldn't have been doing or I've decided that, oh, I didn't, I've not enjoyed that, the path has called out to me. It's like saying, okay, you're doing this bad thing in your life. You should be doing this. Whereas even now where I believe that I'm acting in good integrity or like aiming in the right direction, it's like it's still calling out to me. Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, you want you actually this isn't right. You want to be doing something else with your life, whatever it may be. I kind of understand what you mean. Do you get mean. what I mean? Yeah, so what you mean is like if you see if okay. <laughs> okay, so what you mean is like you're working at this kindergarten now, it's great, you love it, but it's not the path you should be going. Mm -hmm. So let's say you want to go to do music mm -hmm. or study philosophy. So instead you go that way. So you're what you're what you're saying is that that would be Satan pushing you in a different direction. Uh, Sorry, no. you'd have to elaborate on I'd, that. I'd, I'd mean like, so in your perspective of let's say, God and Satan. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, if I was aiming towards oh, okay. God, in a, in a, so even if I was acting out with good intentions mm -hmm. and with morality, I still believe the so-called path that you should be on, like the winks from the universe, call out to you anyway, either way you're aiming you could be aiming down on a downward spiral but there's going to be something in your brain that's saying no you, this is not what you should be doing and you get that even if you're acting with the best intentions right of your mind because okay I, I, I could argue that i'm in a better situation now that i that i was in five years ago but i'm still going no actually i want to be better i want to i want to get right. to a better place but when i was let's say drinking alcohol, getting cheated on by my girlfriend and really in a negative mind, there was something calling out to me in my mind to say, well, you want to be doing something better. Right. And so either approach, you could argue from a religious perspective that the, when I was aiming towards Satan, so to say, it was when I was drinking and I wasn't doing something good. When I'm aiming towards God, hypothetically, it's I'm trying to do something good in my life. Right but it's still not satisfying the, the so-called path that I should be going on. Right, right. The, the idea that I've formed in my brain that should be a satisfied lifestyle. Okay. Does that make sense? Kind of. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, it's just that I'm thinking about, like, I'm, I'm converting it in my mind, mm -hmm. you know, what you're saying. It's interesting. I think it's a good perspective to take. Like, if you're going to, uh, yeah. Well, I, th I think that in any scenario you find yourself in, there's going to be pros and cons. And there's going well, to be... Okay, so now I know I'm in a better situation than I was in last month, but based on what, realistically? If I based it on purely financial perspective, then no. But based on my feelings, <laughs> based on purely my, my feelings of being in the world, 
right now, I, I somehow mentally feel better, mm. as hard as that is to quantify, because it's not like I say, last this time last year I was five I out of ten, yeah. this year I'm nine out of ten. It's because mm. it, life is so complex when you can go through bad situations or good situations. Oh, right, your quality of life changes. Mm-hmm. So even now, you could argue that the situation we've been in in kindergarten, which hasn't been very positive, you could still say, well, it was better than that situation I was in. Sure, yeah. And I feel like I use that, for example, say, well, you know, it's not as bad as it used to be. And this is where the, the, I'd say the nihilism comes in and the, the, <laughs> yeah. the hope for you. Well... You know, at this point in your life, you used to spend all your money on alcohol, going to the pub, making an embarrassment of yourself. So it's not as bad as then. Right. But it could be better. Right. And that's, for me, that's, I'd say, what motivates me. It's like an idea of, I could be in a better situation than I am Mm. in right now. I understand. From the, the whole analysis of my, your life, because... It's not as simple as you get up, go to work, go home. Life's way more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. Like you've got your family relationships, you've got your friendships, you've got so-called career that you want to be aiming at, you've got a relationship that you want to maintain. maintain. Mm-hmm. But there's also relationships with your um, community that surround you. Right. So your friends, family, all this matters. And I think because it's all connected, mm-hmm. then everything that you are doing matters. I don't know where we're going with this. It's okay, because mm-hmm. I understand where you're coming from. It's like a butterfly effect mm-hmm. on life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, exactly the, the story I said before. Maybe me doing a, a podcast with my best mate, Ben. Sorry. No, all good. Uh, with my best mate, Ben, might have helped. Uh, the, the person who came up to me was like, oh, listen to your podcast. And like, he spoke to me about it. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. It's just something that happened. And then that's where, again, this is where the, where the nihilism comes in. It's like, yeah, it's just something that happened. It's just mm-hmm. you did this. That led to one thing. Right. And that's it. Right. But my, my belief system is, for some reason, that's happened. I don't know why. I don't know why it has, but it has. Yeah, I mean, like, that's, that's like, I think, to me, that's like the little flame. That exists, like, a lot of things around the world right now are really dark. And in my opinion, a lot of things are designed to snuff out the darkness. Mm -hmm. I mean, the light. And it's easy for us to get wrapped in that. There's this uh, thing I saw one time. I don't know where the quote comes from. But it's like, you're climbing a mountain. And if you're really hungry or tired, you can sit down camp for the night but you never stay there forever you don't stay there your whole lifetime stay there for one night two nights or three nights but you never sit there forever pack your stuff up and keep going so i think like maybe from from that perspective it could be like there's that that flame that little flame that lights up the room and so you just continue Mm -hmm. right because it's also i think a survival instinct to want to know that the next thing in front of you is the next step. Like you were saying, like you want to keep going. You mm-hmm. want to keep following that right that right path. Um, that's just my thought on that. Like the way you see like something in front of you. Like if I were to say from a, a more like 
secular mm. stance. That's how I would. That's how I would phrase that. Yeah. Well, it, I, the the most relevant example to give you is, for example, leaving this job that I'm in now. In in a perspective of saying to somebody what I do, mm. I'm an English teacher who I've no experience before that. Mm. I got offered the job completely randomly. <laughs> so th- this is <laughs> yeah yeah. But th- so this is my perspective on life. Is like I was like wow. I was so bu- I was so taken the fact that I was offered this job in the first place. And one of these things was like a wink from the universe again, mm. because okay, I've I've got with. I be- obviously I believe that my relationship is the right thing that I do in my life mm-hmm. and I've come here made a big decision and for a while I went through a bit of a stage where I was like have I, have I made the right decision because I, I was being a bit of a slob you know, I, t- I went back to just watching YouTube videos most of my day I was still enjoying travelling but I had this idea in my mind that oh, I'm going to leave my job and I'm going to completely focus on music and mm-hmm. I'm going to have all this spare time to make amazing songs. Turns out that's not what I ended up doing. I ended up going to jam sessions where I ultimately improved my playing mm. and my knowledge. But it wasn't as easy as like, oh yeah, I've done this now. Life right. has changed. Everything's better. Because I know I found other problems. Mm. I found other problems in my life. And then I got offered this job and it was so like, oh wow, that's interesting. Mm. Never met this person before. Been offered this job. Simply, be- simply because I was born. They made it better, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue. Do, do, you, do you have a point? It's like simply because. What fascinating is simply because I was born in one country, mm-hmm. England. It gave you the preference. It was like, oh, yeah. like you're English. Yeah, you want to be in this job, and it was. I made this choice to come here. It was like it blew me away. And then when I tell people, everyone's like, so back home, everyone's like, I can't believe that. It's like, yeah. Strange. So you think that that's like kind of, if if there were a God that you believed in, would you think that that's kind of him setting that up for you, bringing you to an ultimate purpose? I think now, so looking back on it, I should have stuck to my um, my goal. So I remember having the conversation with the owner. Well, I've actually left my job to focus on music. <laughs> and what I was saying, I was said that I was like, oh, no, I'm not laughing at you. I'm thinking about her face. Yeah, I was like, well, I've actually, left my job. and that's something I want to go down. But I'm not doing anything at the moment, so I'll give it a try. And a little bit of me, like the the part of me that thinks, did I did I give up my uh, goal at that point? Yeah. And that that annoyed me for a good while because then I started to think all these things that were happening that were going wrong. But this is like then like you'd say selfish. Uh, all these things that were happening that were going wrong were, in my mind, related to because I drifted away from my actual goal in life. Because I dr- I felt like I drifted away. It was like all these problems happened. So right. the way, the only way it got to dealing with it was like leave, leave the job, and obviously it's easier said than done. And now now looking back on it, it's like okay, I went wrong the why and I look at the right. why did I go wrong and then I analyse it and I think let's make sure that I don't end up in this situation again yeah. and how do I want to live my life and I'm, I'm getting that a few days ago I was like oh stress because of money yeah. and things like oh I've got money what will I be doing mm. I was like yeah but what was I like when I left my job last year I was like yeah I'm leaving get it I'm leaving. I was so motivated and then I've got that back again because right. I feel like I'm 
I don't I don't particularly know what I'm aiming at, mm. but I feel like I'm doing the right thing. Right. And that's motivating me at the moment. I hear you. Sorry, I just went quiet because I'm like I'm thinking really deeply about what you're saying. I think it's interesting. Uh, sorry, uh, my brain is just like uh, comprehending everything. It's fine. It's fine. Hmm. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention is, so you said to me multiple times now actually, would you like me to pray, pray, pray? For you? You've asked me. <laughs> By the way, he slapped his. <laughs> <laughs> then slap sign. Stop me. Uh, Abuse happening on a podcast. It goes viral. <laughs> There's no video evidence. There's no video evidence. She's lying. Nothing but, happened. Um, yeah, you, you've asked, which caught me by surprise. Because I didn't know how to react to it. I could see that yeah, a couple like, of times. Like, okay, so I stop asking you freaking him out. Eh, it's, not, it's not freaking me out. It's just like, I'd say it's quite confident of yourself to say, would you like me to pray for you? And I was a bit, t- that's why I take it take back. Like, well, okay, what do I say? <laughs> Please. Right, so, <laughs> I guess, again, this is very bad. <laughs> is, is, that, I start going, is that selfish? In my mind, I'm like, is that selfish that I'm asking somebody to um, wish the best of me? Oh, not wish, sorry, that, that's probably... What do you mean, like, that the Lord would protect you and bring you forward in life? Um, Like, that type of thing. Well, for, for you to ask, like, say, oh, do you want me to pray for you? It's like, well, I'm then... my understanding it's like you're talking to god so to say asking. Uh, asking god to do something so it's like Wait. selfish to, I think in my opinion it sounds selfish to be like yeah you I, I can explain this god yeah so that's the thing it's a misconception that you're asking god to do stuff because here's the thing he already knows you're gonna ask mm-hmm. <laughs> predestination stay off the topic <laughs> big cross um but it, it's it's the fact that you're asking he already is waiting for you to ask because you're trying to build a relationship with him so if you were to be really sporadic like me sometimes where when everything's great and i'm really guilty of this everything's great i'm like my boss is not shouting at me anymore and abusing me i don't need god anymore and i'm like haha he makes everything better i step back i'm like okay cool bye and then i'm like whatever then i come back around i'm like okay she's going crazy again lord please help me okay that's asking for help. But really, it's him already knowing you're going to ask for it. Mm-hmm. This is the misconception. People think that God doesn't want... You have this idea that you're burdening God with your problems. Therefore, you're selfish. Mm-hmm. But he wants you to ask him. Right? It's like... He is herding sheep. Right? And if that one sheep gets lost, he's going to go find that sheep. It's not that he's herding sheep... And he walks away and you start following him and he's like, get off my foot. Like, you know, like a child, like holding your hand, get off my hand. He wants you to hold his hand. He wants you to follow him. And so when you bring these things to him, it's to him, it's not considered selfish. Although human beings are the extremely imperfect. You're right. We can't measure up to his greatness. The truth is that he wants you to come to him. He wants you to say, hey, um, I need help with this. Right. So yeah, maybe from our standpoint, it might be selfish because if I come to you in the middle of the day, I'm like, hey, like, you know, wish me well. <laughs> pray for me, mother. Yeah. <laughs> pray, pray, pray. You know, that, that, ooh, I just like moved it. But that would not be fair, right? Mm-hmm. On a human standard. But you're asking God who like created the universe. So for him, 
you're not burdening him with that. How could you be selfish then? Right? Because the thing is, let's say I'm struggling with really bad thoughts and my mental health is just like, right? Like when I was 15. And I turn to God and I'm like, Lord, please help me. Right? What would be the ultimate destination of that health? Because you're asking for help, right? He helps you, and then what? You're just like, I'm healthy, bye. Right. Really, it's helping you so that you can bring others closer to him. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. So in the end of the day, you can say it's selfish, but really he's making you healthy so that you can go to others and help them so that you can bring them closer to God. And that spreads. Because it's. It, I see it as love, right? You're going around, you're spreading the love for that. So if I ask God, I'm praying for you, don't, <laughs> don't be weird, but it's like I'm saying I love you as a person and I'm spreading that love to other people. Mm. If I see that you're going through something, right, your family members or whatever, and I say, do you need prayer? It's not selfish because God wants you to come to him. There is a parable in the Bible. This is why I seriously need to like get better at this. <laughs> I think it's in Luke. And it's basically about a son, okay, two sons, live with their father. And obviously around this time, uh, there were slaves and things like this, but that's to the time, to the culture. So we, we don't talk about this right now. But just think about the father and the two sons. So as I know the story, and I hope I'm getting it right, the, one, the father goes to the one son and says he's giving him all this inheritance. Right, for the future. This is how much inheritance I have. And I believe it's the younger son who goes and asks the father, can I have it now? Mm-hmm. Father says, okay. Gives it to him. Younger son leaves. He parties. He just completely wastes that money on everything. He buys stuff. He wastes it. He doesn't come back home. And the older brother is at home, and he's working his butt off. Like, and he's watching his brother get all this inheritance that the father gave him. Mm-hmm. And he's mad because like, he's worked hard. He's the older brother. And like, he's in himself, he sees himself as morally high. right? He sees himself as like the righteous one with dignity and integrity. And he doesn't understand why his brother's now done this. He feels betrayed as well as the older brother that his little brother took that money and went. And so there's that tension. Then the younger brother begins to realize, and I forget how, but he somehow realizes after he completely like blasts everything on everyone and everything, he ends up being like broke. He's like, okay, I need to go back home. Has a bit of pride, but then he goes back home and he's like, okay, I don't know if I can come back home to my dad because I've been so selfish. What do I do? So he goes and he's scared doesn't know if he can come back home. Will his father want him anymore? He's spent everything that his dad worked for. It's gone. He doesn't deserve to come back home, right? You could you could argue that because he spent everything and didn't work for it either. So he slowly walks back and he looks up and his father runs to him and embraces him. He comes home and his father runs to him and embraces him. He's been waiting for you. And that's an exact... Uh, how do you say, exact metaphor to what God sees and what we should see. Mm. We do all these things, and yes, we're incredibly selfish for it, especially on the human standard. Mm. But that's not God's perspective. He's waiting there with open arms for us to come back to him. 
So if he runs up to us and he hugs us and says, I missed you, I want you to come back. Son mm -hmm. comes back. Then there's the other part about the older brother being like, mm, well, <laughs> and obviously being opposed because now his younger brother's been out. And the, uh, we had a Bible study just the other day where we spoke about this. Um, and the idea was, which brother are you? Oh, so you would say, you would, oh, so you would say which one you identify with? Yeah. So should I? Should yeah, I, I mean, yeah. if you want to. That's just the, the idea, right? Okay, yeah, so I'd say a similar situation would be, uh, I would be the older brother mm. in that scenario. because Kind of looking down at the younger brother, right? Well, well uh, yeah, obviously, in reality, I'm the, in the actual scenario, my brother's older than me. But so well, I told you before about getting money for uh, from the, the mum and dad's divorce. It was I kept it and was more careful with it, mm -hmm. whereas my brother and my sister might have just ah, been erratic with it. Mm -hmm. And I guess they kind of splurged it at that yeah. at that time. I was thinking, oh, I'm doing that, oh, and I was getting a lot of stick for like you know, you're tight with your money and you're like, you shouldn't be sa you shouldn't be saving that much, but. I was just more careful with it, mm. but I still lived that lifestyle of partying. Interesting. I still lived it. Mm -hmm. I still did the same things that he, my brother did or my sister right. did. I guess, I don't know, I, I see, I don't even, I know, I know that at one point, yeah, it was all gone from my brother's account at a certain age. I don't know when particularly, but he would buy like clothes with it. And my sister would buy certain things with that money. I would be working as well as having that money. Mm -hmm. So it was like I'd earn money and then buy stuff and still save it. Uh, but I guess the struggle is who am I to judge then? That's a slip. Yeah. It's like how can you judge? Everyone's got their own uh, approach to life. Mm -hmm. And and their own mistakes too. Yeah, their own mistakes. Mm -hmm. Okay, you could. I think you could see yourself as both. Really. Yeah. What's the point? The older brother's being selfish by holding back that forgiveness. Mm -hmm. The younger brother was being selfish by being careless. Mm -hmm. And I mean, to some extent, immoral, doing whatever you know. And but for me, the the most important part of that is the fact that the father came running to the child. People have this idea, and it comes from thinking that Christianity is all about law. That it's not about a relationship with God. It's about law, following the law, right? But really, following the law does not define your relationship with God. What defines your relationship with God is your willingness to build it. Do you understand? Okay. Yeah. So in that case, when you, say that, when you said that you were sort of selfish, right? To want have like go to go to the Lord to pray for yourself, mm -hmm. right, or for somebody else to pray for you. To him, it's not like that. If you were to put on God's perspective, it's different. He wants to embrace you. Mm -hmm. We're so used to we're so used to humankind being that way. It's this idea that how do I say? There is no love in that interaction. That if you messed up. It's justified that I press you down and I tell you you're in the wrong. Ha, ha, ha. 
Do you understand? But to yeah, God, yeah. Like you've got so. Let's say in the story, you're the older brother, and your little brother is going out partying, making all his mistakes. You could easily go, ha ha ha! Like mm. you're a piece of shit. The way that you live your life is, and you, yeah. you have that right to do it, but you also have the right to accept that that's what he's doing. Right. Mm. But I think in in from my perspective, the more right thing to do is embrace it, love, mm. and forgiveness. What do you have to lose? Mm. That's one of the things I think about. Is like if I'm in a bad situation with someone, like I forgave my dad because. Mm. There were a lot of bad things that happened growing up, like really bad. And I could have been like pointing at him, you know, and being like, you're a bad person. Da, 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 da. And I could have been like inflating my ego, you know, validating my hurt to like for forcing him. I'm cold. Forcing him to take like responsibility for how I felt mm-hmm. during that period. I think we had this conversation about taking responsibility for feelings at one mm-hmm. point. But that's basically like, what is the point in that? It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to collapse. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? I understand. I mean, I, I could say that I've got a similar relationship with my dad, which has over, over time improved. I'm not going to say it's the best relationship in my life. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not. I think it can be improved, but we're communicating better than we did in the past. And my perspective on him has changed. Because I guess the family, in any scenario, in a divorce, gets separated. No matter how hard you Sad. work, it is the truth. How, how hard you work, people are going to choose sides. Mm. Kids are going to choose sides. And from my perspective, it seems like we chose the side of the mother. Well, we took my mother's side, and then it it became weird. I'd see my dad more than my brother would see him. And then the relationship exists mm. and it went through stages of where it was good or bad. At the moment, it's just it's just a little strange. And I think like, so my girlfriend finds it a little strange just how he, he is around us. And it, But I, then I also understand it. I understand why, because it's like, well, you're divorced. You're now married to somebody else. Started like a different... Yeah, it started your own life. And he actually made a point once where I don't know if it was my sister or my mum was like attacking him for like he should arrange time with us which is true but then it's also our my responsibility as well it's not completely his responsibility to um, arrange to do stuff with me it's like I I have to show that interest too and it's quite selfish it's yeah it's quite selfish of me to just think oh well he should do it mm. and I, I'd say that's my, I have a, I'd just say it's a strange relationship mm. with my dad. There is one, but it, it can be better, which I'm trying to, I'm trying to do. It has like cracks. Yeah, yeah. cracks. Sometimes stuff falls through. Mm. Yeah. And I always have a hesitation to speak to him about stuff. And it's like, it's in, in my back of my mind, like, well, you know, what about this and this? But then I've learned to just be like, okay, there's, there's power in forgiveness. It's like... There is, yeah. Okay, for example, I can bang on about how I was mistreated by my ex-girlfriend, for example. I can bang on about that for ages. I, can, I could also accept that 
I never took bit the bullet and said this is not for me. Yeah. I am with I am with you because I feel sorry for you and th- and it took me ages to bite that bullet. So there's also, to be honest, from my own perspective, I wasn't doing the right thing. Right. I was being a bad person because I wasn't speaking the truth. The truth, yeah. And I think that holding people up so so low, well, it's not hold, pushing people down is probably the right, pushing people down and saying, oh, they did this bad thing to me, or the Being entitled to owning whatever they've done to yourself, right? Yeah, oh, they're such a terrible person. Then you're going to see anything they do mm. as bad, and you're going to likely look at the worst things that they do. And I had this a little bit with my sister where she, me and her bicker over things, and there's, there's disagreements, and then it's like, oh, well, she's like this, she's can be bitchy or whatever it is. It's like, well, you know, it's she's in her own little lifestyle. I'll try to remain as open-minded as possible and be friends with her. Right. And sticking up for myself where I'm supposed to. For example, she made a point for me that I, at one point I became very argumentative. And this was in a period of when I was going through uh, the, sh- the shit with my ex-girlfriend and like splitting up with her. I had this realisation, like all my family were saying that they, oh, we really liked her, really liked she's a really nice person. And oh, they, no. they didn't kn- obviously know the impact that it had on me. Yeah, you, it kind of felt like you, like maybe you were being invalidated. Yeah, yeah. And I became like, why why does everyone hold this so high? And it's like, well, obviously I'm not speaking out about how I feel, honestly. And then it became like, I was I, I, became, I did become more argumentative because it was like, I, was like, I need to stand my ground. I need to yeah. not let people walk all over me. And that, that, I've noticed that that was an issue that had I just let things pass. Even if it was, I thought it was uh, the right thing to do would to call someone out. I'll let it slide. Mm-hmm. And I feel like once you let that slide, it's hard to recover. Yes, you don't set that boundary that's necessary mm-hmm. in order for that person to respect you. Yeah, and I think that I, because I've done that most of my life, mm-hmm. it was I, I became more argumentative, and I understand the thing is. I did. I argue it back sometimes. I'm like, no, 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 never. And I was like, yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, fair point. Because it's true. I can't do anything about it. And I remember uh, there was a girl who I met. I can't remember her name, but one of my good friends, Alex. He was like, oh, she's really nice. She's really thingy. And I, I went for a stage. Where I was watching a lot of John Peterson, <laughs> and, I was, yeah. and he'd stick up for himself. And I, but I became very negative towards women and I just became argumentative yeah. that is not Jordan Peterson's fault that is completely my own fault because I was seeing it as like no this person's trying to manipulate me and it, mm-hmm. was, it was my own percep- perception you were things. upset yeah I was upset and it was just and then I realised as we became nasty that's hurt was, people hurt people right yeah and I was this person had literally met me once I was just nasty to her and it was like yeah. it, it, it wasn't name calling it was just being an arsehole for the sake of being an arsehole and now I can look back and regret it and say, well... Okay, I understand that what was happening. You had um, resentment against yeah. your ex and you were taking out on all the women around you. Or uh, not no. all, but at least that one. Yeah, it, I, it was 
that also any sign of someone taking advantage of them? It's like, it's like uh, it's a bad, like it's a bad yeah. thing every time. Yeah, it's like someone's yeah. taking advantage of you. No, and it, it gets like that. Now, for example, in this job when I left, I was so riled up because I felt someone had taken advantage of me again. Yeah, yeah? and it was that. like, oh, and it's when that happens, you end up in a scenario. You do all that emotion comes back up because mm-hmm. you've experienced it before and you don't want to be in that scenario yes, again. And I then relate. that mm-hmm. what that's what riles you up and that that causes me to make errors because the the emotion can take over rather than the logical and critical thinking. So that, I, again, the ba- the battle with me is like, is this the right thing to do logically, mm-hmm. or is this the right thing to do emotionally, and I try to find a balance between that in the middle where it's like, okay, based on love and based on how I feel with what's going on in the world, I think this is the right thing to do. Based on reality though, for example, I'm in an okay situation financially to leave my job now. If I was in a different state, it was probably likely that I might have had to ride it out a little bit longer. You know, there's that, there's a logical part of it and there's also the, Real, the the emotional side of it. Emotional side, I really didn't like my job. I was going to work, I, I wasn't enjoying it. Christina was noticing that I was negative when I come at home. I'd be telling these stories. Which I had the same thing. With my pa- I was coming home and I was just like mad. And they were like, Sam. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, then, like, <laughs> and then it was like, there's all these other things that I had to go through. For example, the, like the, the trade license, um, getting like the bank to set me up properly and it was like all these external things that were going wrong I felt was one because I was taken advantage of but then I was like why and it, it goes back to me again drifting away from what I believe to be my purpose of like what I believe to be the right thing and because I never spoken out at the right time so for example the I'd say the right time is I, you can't really say that when is the right time to do anything but if you catch it in the moment then I probably wouldn't be in the situation now that I am in. But I am, and I have to deal with that. Yeah. yeah. If it's okay with you, I would like to find that passage yeah, that's about right. that story because I think it's important that I get it right because it's a, it's a really, it's seriously phenomenal. Okay, so it's Luke chapter 15, verse 20 to 24. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. And that's, um, there's just a uh, verse from Jeremiah, uh, chapter 31, verse 3. Um, that, that was really strange. Anyway, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. It's just that it's about that compassion that God has for his children. We always see God from the standpoint of a master 
right? Somebody mm. who has command over everything. And that, that is that respectable fear, right, that we have of God where we have that respect for him and that's good. Having a little bit of fear, right, is respect in a sense. Understanding that he is limitless and that he can do so much, you're bound to feel a little bit afraid. But it's not like a dangerous fear where like you can't, you're frozen, you can't do anything. It's a respect. And I understand that, but there's a big part of who he is and his character that can only be known through reading the Bible. And something I'm not very good at, but it is so important because you get to understand that it's not from the teacher's perspective. It's not from the commander's perspective, not a sergeant's perspective not somebody who's enslaving you. It's from a parental perspective. That's why it says, Father, I have sinned. Also referring to the Father. And so he embraces you with love because he's your parent. If you come back home, right, and you've done something wrong, and you tell your mom, like, I've, I've done something. I've stole 200 pounds from this person. Mm-hmm. Likely, if your mother loves you, and she cares for you, and she has compassion in her heart, she's going to embrace you and say, it's going to be okay, we'll figure it out. Or let's say you have a drinking problem, or whatever it may be, and you say, Mom, I need help. Please help me. And she decides, okay, we're going to put you through rehab, we're going to, you know, all this stuff, because she loves you. And that's exactly, like, my point that about prayer, is that God loves you, and that's why he, that's why he embraces you that way. Right? I don't think it's love when somebody says, Go. Don't come back. Do you know what I mean? Like if somebody's like exiling you because they don't agree with what you've done. I think sometimes though it's necessary to, to push. do that. And I do think and I do think God puts you through situations that teach you. I will add that. I think though that if you took if you're let's say you said that if you don't love somebody if you say go like uh, what I mean by that is like disown like like if you stole 200 pounds you go home you say please help me I have an issue with stealing okay. and they're like no get out of my face mm-hmm. that's not love that's entitlement to me I've, okay so I'd, I'd use the argument of previous relationships you know my favourite example of you know Someone can be asking for help in a manipulative way. Someone can be asking for help just to perceive that they are wanting to receive help. Mm -hmm. And they can take advantage of people, Mm. 100%. And I believe that if you truly love somebody, then it's necessary to, at one point, accept that for them to be in their best state, If you love them, let them go. Yeah, the deal. because if you truly love them and that's exactly how you feel, then you should be able to mm. say that and end that relationship. I even believe it's okay. I even believe that on a family perspective, that's mm. why people walk away from families because right. uh, fathers can be alcoholics. Yes. Um, you know, and it's it's a hard thing to do, but. If someone's aiming down, 
I'd say that's the human limit. Mm. I'll tell a quick story. Yeah. So when my dad, my dad struggled with alcoholism, I got back from this camp. Mm. And before I got back from the camp, I had asked uh, Ian and his wife, two people that ran the camp at the time. They still do, but because of COVID, it's been shut down. Uh, I asked for prayer because I was afraid my dad was going to die. That was my main fear. And they had prayed for me. I cried a lot because I was terrified. And I got back home and I had broken my finger in the metro. You can see the bump. It twisted on the door and broke. And I was in so much pain because I'd never broken anything before. And it was twisted. It was like completely disorientated. I couldn't, it was so sore I couldn't touch it. And it was going blue too. And um, I showed my dad and I noticed he was so drunk he couldn't even get up. And he grabbed my hand and he pulled it. And I screamed. It hurt so badly. And I didn't know what to do because I was in so much pain. I was angry with him that he was not able to be there with me in the moment. And so I got upset and I, this thing just came out of me where I told him about, like, I don't know if it was God telling me to tell him, but I just <laughs> vented. And I, I vented that I didn't think what he was doing was okay for the first time. I told him everything. And I went... And before I left to go to the hospital, right, I went by myself because he wasn't all there and couldn't walk. So right before I left, I said to him, um, you can leave. And I told him, like, I don't want you here. That's how angry I was. I was fuming. And I'd say that was righteous anger mm. because in that moment, I was so angry with him that I was willing to say, like, for myself, and I, I'm not like that. It's out of my character to do this sort of thing. Where I said to him, get out. Mm. And I said, but do not come back here. Don't come back here unless you think that you can stop. Or you've stopped. And I, I was like, go. And I left. And I came back. My dad was gone. Mm. And um, he, he then, obviously, stuff happened with him and God. And he stopped drinking. But it took that homelessness. He actually had to be homeless to realize what he had done. It took me pushing him away that far. And I didn't talk to him for six months because mm. then he moved back in with us. I didn't say anything. And our apartment is super tiny, like mega small. So like I slept in the same room with my mom. That's how tiny it was. And my dad was just in the lounge. So I saw him every day and I didn't say a single word. So I really, when I say I cut him off, I really cut him off. And I knew that if he didn't realize it now, then that relation in my mind I was going to kill that relationship mm -hmm. because I was so hurt like for so long I couldn't take it I was just in like so much pain and I just feel like he didn't care about me so that's an example of just like <laughs> exiling you know like or, mm. or me feeling like I just could not have him around and for the greater good he needed to leave like I was in pain but it was also for him and I knew that somehow getting him to leave and getting him to be on the brink of like breaking had to be the moment he'd realized something was wrong and he needed to stop. And it was. It really pushed him to fix his life, put it back together, mm -hmm. and like actually get himself going again. So I understand what you're saying. It's totally relatable. Mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely a difficult thing to do, but... Necessary. It's necessary, and if you never do it, then... I think there's... There's something about the human mind that you might... This isn't defending people who take advantage of you know, family members or friendships that they have. 
because I think I've probably done that in the past myself. And it's okay if you're really, really in your downs, you're likely to be doing that on a bigger level with multiple relationships. But you could be doing that without realizing it yourself. Like, I don't want to go with you could. So you could be cutting people off without even realising it. So, for example, you pursuing something in your life could lead to somebody getting cut off. Mm-hmm. And that could lead to them being upset or yeah. angry. And it's like, well, that's the, the issue. Is it, is it necessary based on the progression forward that that person is completely cut mm-hmm. out of your life? Because you can you can outgrow people too, like you just there's friendships I've had in the past which I'm nowhere near as close anymore because I'm doing my I'm doing my own thing they're doing their own thing and you grow past each other yeah and there's nothing wrong with that obviously it's a deeper issue when it's a, a family member but you you hope that what you're doing there is going to give them a push to get better and like well listen I've had enough and did it make so that made him go get better would you say so um, what happened uh, long before testimony Um, but what happened was he was homeless for that period um, went through a whole thing and uh, moved with us then obviously back out because I was ignoring him and my mom knew I couldn't have him around it was too too painful for Mm -hmm. me I was having panic attacks that's all and it's just too much. So um, he ended up moving out and then he moved in. He had a roommate, but it was like out of Prague and uh, in a very like dead town. Mm. And he had a huge problem with alcohol uh, and um, he couldn't stop. Even then he was still drinking, but he wasn't saying anything. And I knew, I knew, I know my dad. Mm. You know, I, I know when the skin is red, you know, I know when the veins are out or when the eyes are washed out. I know what that looks like and I could read it. I could smell it off him from a mile away. So obviously, even the way he talks on the phone. And I just, I was so triggered by that. And so I was rejecting and rejecting and rejecting because he kept coming to see me. And I would just like lock the door. Just not talk to him. I go silent when I'm really, really angry with people. And I just go completely quiet. And, which again, doesn't happen a lot. (laughs) But when it does, it's there. And, he, he went back to the thing and he didn't visit me for a long time. And one day he just called me and said, I've stopped. It's like, whatever. Like, I didn't believe him one bit. I was just like, whatever, dad. Like, you can fuck with us. I was not convinced. He'd been telling me that my whole life already. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And it just was never true. I don't know why, but I decided to go see him. And I think as his daughter, I was missing my dad too. And I just decided I would go see him and I went to go stay with him. Um, And he looked at me and he said, do you know what happened? I was like, no, obviously not. And he said, well, a few days ago, I asked God to help me. But I wasn't asking him before. Sorry, I don't know why I was smiling. Be- <laughs> Sorry, that was really awkward. I just started smiling. I didn't because, think I was laughing. No, it's because, I mean, it was a miracle that happened. You know, every right to smile was amazing. It was like, he asked, he said, Lord, I don't want to drink anymore. 
Sorry, when I I have this really terrible thing. No, I do it too. I I do it too. I'm smiling out of like happiness that the conversation. I do it as well. well. (laughs) It's okay, and I I do it because I think I look scary while I'm concentrating. So Mm. I'm like, yeah, smile like a psycho. Um. So he said to me that he had obviously spoken to the Lord, and fast forward, the next day, just didn't have a craving. Mm. And that's the thing. When you stop drinking, you get tremble. Mm-hmm. Right? You shake. It's scary. And I think it has something to do with low blood pressure or something like this. And your body's like now trying to metabolize. Yeah. It, we have a phrase for it called cold turkey. Yeah, yeah, cold yeah. turkey. And, um, and he had it before where he tried to stop and he couldn't do it. Couldn't do withdrawals. And he was shaking back when, when I was a kid, a lot. And, and I saw him, I was like, so this is like, and he's like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. Couldn't believe him. I was like, he has to be drinking at least a little bit. I searched that place up and down. I turned over every suitcase. I looked through every single shelf. I even looked in the kitchen. I looked in his roommate's room. I was like, he's hiding it there. I was paranoid. I was like, this is not true. I couldn't believe it. Nothing. I stayed with him the whole weekend. Zero. He didn't have any substitute. There was no Coke. Because normally before he would drink Coke or he would try to drink apple juice or something to substitute the craving. And there was nothing. He was fine. He really was fine. I I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I started seeing him more. No alcohol. Mm. And he's been sober since. Never touched on. How many years is that? Uh, Five. Five? Yeah. It's impressive. I mean, it's definitely... So I can understand people who like... uh, so let's say, atheist people, in my mind, I am going, okay, man, he's found God, that's fine. My, my perception is I obviously don't believe that God is real, but I can notice that it's a good thing. Yeah, it was it's brilliant. Yeah, it's a great thing. It was like, I don't know how he did it, because this has been an issue since I was, like, born and before that. And it's the reason my parents separated. It's the reason why I have a bad relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Right, because he chose the bottle over me when I begged him so many times not to do that, and he did. And so, in this situation, like that's why I was like, it, I didn't believe him. I was also like skeptical. I was like, this is fake information. Mm-hmm. You're not being truthful with me. You just want to, you know, kindle the relationship because you feel that. Mm-hmm. Not at all. And since that point, he stopped. Actually, six months ago, he said, Lord, I don't want to smoke anymore. He's been smoking since he was 13. Mm-hmm. Stopped. Mm-hmm. He hasn't smoked for six months. That is, again, uh, the second thing now. And it's just like, it's it's explained as God giving you the strength to stop. He's driven by spirituality. Mm-hmm. As the Holy Spirit is giving him the strength and the courage to stop. But it's not just that. It's taking away the appetite for it. Mm-hmm. That's a big part too. And he tried to stop smoking a, a couple times. But he was said he was approaching it the wrong way. And I say like three or four times uh, last year. He kept, he kept trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. I remember one one phase where he was in such a bad mood because he was not smoking. Because that's how he dealt with things, just by smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And I noticed he was coughing and he was sick all the time because he kept smoking like so much in the day. I don't know how many packs, but he was smoking a lot. Like often, he would have coffee, smoke, coffee, smoke, mm-hmm. coffee, smoke. And I know a lot of people pair those two things together as well. But he would do it when he was stressed out with money, going through a hard time, or like work stuff. So... That's like, for me, insane how that's happened. And like, to me, that's a miracle. Two miracles, yeah. It's fascinating to see that 
when you've noticed that somebody's gone through like a, a bad stage and you recognise them from a previous part of their lives, you could see them two years later. Wow. Completely yeah. different person. Um, so one, one point you were talking about before was like cutting people off. Yeah. And so I noticed when I was in this rough previous relationship, which was awful, as I've stated before. So I have two best friends Alex and Ben, and I've known them since primary school, since even preschool, so that's what, three years old, four years old, and these are great relationships I have with people, like, unbelievable, and so when I got in this relationship, one of them, well, I think both of them hated this person, obvious reason, yeah, they saw through her, probably, and in my in my mind, it was like, oh my, obviously with help, <laughs> not help, realistically, it was pushing me towards staying with her rather than uh, what actually mattered to me. What actually mattered to me was this: these relationships I had with these people for all my life, from three, three to four years old. That was at the time it was fourteen year long relationships through That's primary insane. school, primary school, high school, college, and people who I really valued and. What I noticed is that because I was in this relationship that was so toxic, I willingly focused on that rather than uh, the, these really strong relationships that I had. And th- it got to a point that they were obviously really frustrated with me where they cut me off mm-hmm. completely. And I I did get to a point where the only person I had was a girlfriend who was ch- cheating on me, treating me like shit. And... I just felt like shit all the mm. time and it, I guess it took me to get to that and to snap out of it and realise right. what I had done to these people who mattered to me on a personal level so much more than somebody who I, I guess I, I thought that I loved but who the, the real people who loved me and I was back with these relationships I had for years and years mm. and it felt like I'd completely thrown that away right and it took me a while to build up that trust again i remember me and alex have, have had multiple deep conversations where we had like concerts but me and alex love music mm-hmm. like we, we are he has a great music taste and like and speak to him about that and i will have my group of friends that's the main person i speak to about music we're still in contact with each other we're still great friends and you remember him saying to me at that point in my life he didn't want to be going with me, like he didn't want to be going with me because I just turned into someone. You had you had so much pain; it was crippling you. I think. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and it, well, I was on a downward spiral. Yeah. Really, I was on a just like a fuck this. Let's get smashed, do cocaine, drink, get a party. Oh fuck them, it doesn't matter. Mm. And when you're also around people who are aiming in that same direction, it's very easy to just go, yeah, yeah, fuck it. Mm. And the people who I was hanging around with, so for example, one of my old uh, managers, he was doing, uh, he kind of influenced me to get into cocaine. Obviously, it's my decision to go and do it, but I thought he was pretty... It's kind of wrong, though. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> it's, it, it, in my opinion, he was like this cool person who I was hanging around with. Oh, okay. And I seen him, actually, a few months ago, and he's, he's still the same. I mean, I am glad, very, very glad, that, I did it from age 18 to like 21. Right. 
the experimental ages, I guess. Where yeah. You like want to mess up so that you can yeah, like, not mess up later, I guess. I, I, so I, I apologize to Ben and Alex. I apologize to multiple people because I felt like I've completely put them out of embarrassment. Really sorry. I still, I still regret it, to be honest. I, I can't. I know people can say you should live life without regrets, but it hurts me that I did that to them people. Because it's also, it's not in your character now either, right? You grew from that, but looking back was painful because that's like a crack in your identity. Yeah, it's that, yeah, it's, I guess it's also like the the ego of who I perceive myself to be. Mm. I went against that and I knowingly went against it. Mm -hmm. And that really hurt because I knew I was doing it. Deep down, I knew what I was doing and I hurt these people in life because I just put them Still under. Still through the... And I'm lucky that they took me back as the frame. Right. And I appreciate that. And it's... I, I mean, getting into this relationship that I'm in now was that... So, I was single for a while. I don't, I don't know how long it was. 2018 to... Probably 2021. Years. Yeah, so nearly three years. Getting into this relationship, that was like... There was all that previous stuff that's come back up. So it wasn't just like mm. the the relationship with the person was so bad. Like the relationship with the person was that bad that it affected other relationships. It traumatized you and your idea of how relationships are supposed to mm. function, right? Because you already saw your parents get divorced. Mm. And now it's this next relationship that's just flipped your world upside down and cracked you in mm. half and then reconstructed you and then broke you again. Yeah. And then you go off to this night and you heal, right? You heal mm. in those three years because that's probably why you took time away. And then you met this wonderful person, and you're like, "What?" Mm, yeah, like it's so it's it's also like so in in okay. on paper you could argue that I have um, fucked my mates up, so I've, I've gone living in a different part of the world, and I don't really speak to them as much. But I really aim to maintain their relationships and. It's definitely a hundred percent better than what it used to be like in that previous relationship. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. that thing that is, to be honest, my just anxieties of what I what I went through in that relationship. Mm. And now it's just it's like my mum even said it to me. It's like the, those are the things that are important, like the the relationships you have with Ben and Ben and Alex and your friends around you. It's really important. Yes, that like you you know. I guess the good part, the good thing about my mum, because she's so laid back, is that she'll really tell me, like, cause I, I can go down, like, money, 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 and, like, uh, and I, I can go down these, yeah, yeah, I can go down the, these paths, and sometimes it's good to just get that guidance of my mum to be like, kind come of, on, this isn't you. Do kind of like cold water splash. You yeah, know. Like a, yeah, wake up. Yeah. And she, yeah, she really guided me back towards like the what matters to me and it was that these relationships that I've had for so long. That's a um uh what's the purple again? <laughs> uh uh bad company corrupts good character. Mm. And I need to know where that comes from. I'm so send it to you. It's when I was at camp like first camp, a lot of stuff happened. I also realized that people I was friends with were just completely fake. Mm. And when you're in high school, that tends to happen. You're friends with people who don't really, who don't really enhance your character. They don't really, you know, it's not really a healthy relationship. You can't have a healthy dynamic. It's just, 
bad values, bad everything. And um, I remember there was this one sermon. This guy came in and he said, you're all teenagers, so you should know about this. What's this guy going to say? And then he's like, bad company corrupts good character. And I was like, what? And this completely slapped me in the face. I didn't know that that was even safe. The people around you define your future. I'm sorry if anyone disagrees with me, that's fine, but I think that's a fact. Mm-hmm. The people around you define your future. And I think it's because of the influence. It's because of the direct communication we have with these people. It's like it's like if I was gonna have if I was gonna have friendships with people that only cared about I don't know, let's say bringing other people down. Going out and gossiping and doing things that are morally incorrect. I would follow that if I'm speaking honestly, right? Because we're, we get influenced easily. But because you start to care and bond with these people, we kind of, we tend to ignore the toxic stuff that comes with that when you don't recognize it, when you, when you push it away, mm-hmm. right? So if I have a bunch of friends that are drug addicts, that's a, that's a better one. If I'm friends with a lot of drug addicts who are selling a lot of drugs and I'm with them 24-7, right? Really good friends, we're really, we're really close, close bonds. I'm probably going to get influenced by them. Mm-hmm. And my life is probably going to go down a path that I don't even want. Mm-hmm. But it's because of that heavy influence that I can't avoid it. Mm-hmm. And so that bad company corrupts good character. And you could argue that I already don't have good character in that situation. But if you're willing, I think, to move forward and actually say no. And I think that's, a, that's also a good example of like being willing to cut off like necessary to cut off good friendships right like not good friendships sorry even if you have close bonds with people you have to recognize like for example with my dad i had to recognize that it was a negative it was a negative experience and i needed to cut that out yeah i've noticed that so for example when i left my job at the butchers it was like so uh, the person who was influencing me was like say a negative influence and we'd laugh about doing stupid things so for example he, he was very chaotic. He's a great guy, but he's just so fucking chaotic and he's got wild stories. and oh, like I love him, but I also understand that the influence that he has on me is, mm-hmm. isn't positive. And where was I going with this? Where was I going with this? Um, yeah, so I, when I left my job and I started a new job, which was quite serious, so to say, uh, I said something to one of my friends, Luke, I'm still friends with now, and he was just like, that's not funny. And it was something that in my so previous funny. job, mm-hmm. in my previous job, it would have went, oh, yeah, 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 that's funny, that's funny. And then he was like, that's not funny, like, that's, why would you even do that? And I was like... Oh, that, that's, like, that's like somebody making you, like, sobering you. Yeah, and it's like you snap out of it and it, you kind of go... And I did, I was like, in my mind, I was like, pretty... I was like, annoying and it was what I was talking about was just I don't know like potentially having a few drinks and driving and I was like oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah." and then he was like that's not funny that's stupid yeah that's stupid yeah it's fucking stupid and I was like (laughs) you could I mean you could crash into someone that's pregnant yeah anything could happen it's stupid and I I regret it and but in that period of time it was just normal for me Mm -hmm. and then to kind of 
I'm lucky that that's ha- what's woke me up. I'm yeah. lucky that what woke me up was a social comment. And I think that's why, again, we could go back to why it's so important to be honest. Is like, he could have let that comment slide. Oh, yeah. And he could have gone, have, like, I'm not going to say anything. That, yeah. And that couldn't have woke me up. Maybe I would have changed over time. But I've noticed that over time, there's certain things that have happened in my life that mm-hmm. have had an influence on me based yeah. upon my reflection. So like this now, I'm sharing with you, saying that one comment that somebody said to me. Like he, the thing I said to you, right? When we're at the kindergarten and all About leaving the job. Yeah. 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 Okay, <laughs> so mean i don't believe i said that it's not mean it's it's so forward it's out of my character that's why i'm surprised like that's why i don't remember it because it's out of my character to do that but you could uh, you could say that like, what i was saying to you was pretty much the same thing mm-hmm. so i guess you were probably frustrated because i was saying you need to do this or this but in my, and then you I were saying and i was like mm. yeah. i think i was more like concerned for you i guess if i was doing that it would be out of my character to be like hypocrite more like are you okay? Mm. I think you're forcing yourself to stay here, just like you said to me, and I was forcing myself in the moment. Although I was kind of paralyzed in shock, mm. to be fair. <laughs> I was sitting there, like, rocking myself. Trauma. It went from, like, in the morning, you said to me, I'm leaving today, and then, like, a few hours later, I was told you were doing part-time. I was like, Oh, in a minute, this doesn't sound right. And then she when was I, so motivated to leave. Yeah, then when I actually spoken to you, you told me that your resignation <laughs> was ripped up. I was, I've seen red. I mean, I've been watched, I've got into that Reddit movement called anti-work. And I was like, yeah, I get it. I, I read what, I guess this is my own ego, but on my last job, it was, I had the comments, like, get your hair cut. At one point, I did, actually. You complied. You complied. Yeah, and all that. I can't imagine no. you with cut hair. <laughs> yeah. I actually like I can't do it. I it's stopped. so strange. I, so what I actually did, I was like, oh fuck it. I was, so I got we did a presentation at Bolton and Bury Business Awards and we had to do the presentation in front of the director and the director said, I'll let Eddie do it. Let Eddie Lane do it if if you cut your hair. And I was like, kinda oh. sounds like they were making a bet. And, like, they had some fun with it. But, pro- I don't know, that's probably just my brain, like, romanticizing the situation. Yeah. Like. I mean, in, the, in my mind, I w- wanted to tell him to fuck off, but I never. Should have. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it's, it's they, these sort of things that happen, and you're like, oh, why didn't I stick up for myself? Yeah, and, I wish I did that with our current manager. Yeah. I um, so wish I did that. And, and then, so then, so I ended up cutting it. I got a shot. The thing was, I was growing, at the time, I was growing it for a year. I'm going to shave it off. That was the truth, but then I ended up cutting it for this fucking business awards. And then when I, but now when I think about it, it's like that's it's doing a presentation that in my mind I was like, yeah, I need to be doing this apprenticeship, and it's just this great thing that I'm doing in my life. And I was like, fuck, that's not me. That's taking think that's, away your identity. Yeah, yeah it's not. Yeah. It's not me, and I was just aiming down this this path that wasn't me. Mm-hmm. And I'm gladly I've woken up from that. And I, I do, I, you know, I can say I can regret that situation, but it's put me in a situation now where I try to notice if I'm in a situation, I'm in somewhere that's going to be taking advantage of me. Right. And I think I hold these stories or these, these things that have happened to my ego, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not letting 
that. So I think with this job, <laughs> once I started no yeah, once I started noticing that I wasn't speaking truthfully mm-hmm. and I wasn't sticking up for myself, I was like, You said I said to myself I wasn't gonna do this again. Yeah. I'm doing it again. I'm doing it again. I relate to this so much because I grew up just being like a doormat. Mm. Like I was a very strong willed child. But when it came to standing up to authority, like I was, like I think I've told you and Daniel before that I was like trained. I was just like really like the school I went to, I always joke that it was military style Mm -hmm. because like we could not even slouch in our seats. We got shouted at for that. Mm -hmm. It was like that hardcore. And so for me, I feel lost my point. Well, I'll just carry on from your point. Is that you felt like you went to like a military style school? Um, in my primary school, I was petrified of my head teacher. Yes, me too. Because so scared. One story of how this worked: like she was sat in the morning reception where she'd be talking to the kids, and she had this big stack of white papers, just like uh, scrap papers, and she threw it on the floor. And I was like, "Someone come and put this in the bin for me." And it was like, she was just horrible. And my friend Ben actually told me a story of where she pinned him up against the wall, this kid. I can't imagine doing that to one of the kids that came from, unless it's Leo. <laughs> <laughs> That's a two-year-old, is it? Yeah. So, I mean, I'd pick him up and I'd go, wee, and spin him around. But maybe, you, you, I think you could argue that that has given me a fear of power. Like a fear of powerful people, which yeah, I'm trying to. I, I remember being. It's like your first view of like an authority. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, let's just. Yeah. Just watch it, please. I'm just going to explain what the fucking happened then. So. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking. I was. Mi- I it was great conversation. And so I've got my laptop just recording the conversation. And it went from red to blue. And then when I clicked on it, there was no sound. So we thought that we'd lost about four hours of conversation. My Um, anxiety was literally like in the sky. (laughs) I ran away from the screen. (laughs) I was like, no. So so what's this called? What you've got? So uh, I'm about to read a devotional. It's basically like... One second. Sorry. So whatever I was talking about then, I have no idea what it where it ended. So I'm not going to finish my point. So I'm just <laughs> going to move on to Siam and my this devotional. Is a devotional. Yeah. What's a devotional? So a devotional is basically like something you can read every day or every other day, but most of the time these are prepared for every single day of reading. Mm-hmm. So they provide a verse, context, normally a story that goes with it, and then a prayer, and then like a phrase. And it, it's it's like this one's 365 days, so I read one for every day. I was in the tram today, and I wanted what I wanted to read, and I thought it was the 28th. Mm-hmm. And I asked the Lord to help me with tonight's conversation because I wanted to eloquently put my points out um, in a way that didn't offend, mm-hmm. you know, anyone, but also explained the Christian point of view, um, and and my own personal point of view. And I was like, how do I explain, how do I explain what I want to explain uh, about this topic of Christianity and mental health? Like, how do I say it with more parameters? <laughs> we just went all over the place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was enjoyable. Um, and 
as I opened it, I opened it to the 28th, the January 28th, but today is not the 28th, today is the 27th, well, it will be, <laughs> today is the 20th, today is the 27th, um, but I just, I saw how relevant this was to our topic, which is just great, um, I believe it's God, <laughs> or it, it could just be coincidental. Okay, so today's devotional is called Before the Phone. And the official verse is Psalm chapter 18, verse 1 to 6. And it is, In my distress I called to the Lord. As a mom of young children, I'm sometimes susceptible to panic. My first reaction is to call my mom on the phone and ask her what to do with my son's allergy or my daughter's sudden cough. Mom is a great resource, but when I read the Psalms, I'm reminded of how often we need the kind of help that no mortal can give. In Psalm in Psalm 18, David was in great danger. Afraid, close to death, and in anguish, he called on the Lord. David could say, I love you, Lord, because he understood God was a fortress, a rock, and a deliverer. God was his shield, his salvation, and his stronghold. Maybe we cannot understand David's praise because we have not experienced God's help. It may be that we reach for the phone before going to God for advice and help. Surely God puts people in our lives to give us help and comfort. But let's also remember to pray. God will hear us. As David sang, from his temple he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. When we go to God, we join David's song and enjoy him as our rock, our fortress, and our deliverer. Next time you reach for the phone, remember also to pray. And then this is just a small prayer in case anyone wants to pray. Dear Lord, help me to remember you are my deliverer and you always hear my cry. And then the end quote is, prayer is the bridge between panic and peace. I just thought it was phenomenally related to the topic today of like mental health and like turning to God in anguish. You mentioned before, probably don't mind for a job, that you had a suicide as well. Do you think there's a correlation between people going through these dark situations in life and finding uh, Christianity? What do you mean? Just maybe explain that a little bit more. So, for example, you having the thought of suicide, feeling really low, mm -hmm. and then obviously there's story of when I only went to camp and mm -hmm. had that experience there but from what I've noticed in some of these stories is that people end up in such shit situations like the, the woman who you were, uh, were speaking in tongues with that they, they, it's like they they find God in them lows so I hear again, you at the breaking, at the breaking point. Mm -hmm. So, in my in my opinion, in my opinion, I think you have to reach in a lot of cases rock bottom and rock bottom in order to realize that you need God. Mm. We are really prideful, stubborn human beings. There are so many resources around us that can fund us with help, right? You can go online, you go to a therapist, call a friend, like. She said in the thing, right? You can just reach for your phone and do anything you want. Go online, look at an article, join a help service, anything you want. Um, but 99% of the time, I think people turn to God last because it's easier to turn to something that's in front of you and accessible, right? By means of literally holding it or 
or practically doing something with it than to reach out to someone or something that you can't see. Mm. That's why I think it's the last thing people resort to. That's why you see in the movies when somebody's about to go, like, Lord, if you're real, save me right now because, you know, or help me take Jesus, take the wheel because it's the last thing they think of. And becoming a Christian, it becomes the first thing you think of. It becomes your knee jerk because you know that it works. You know that the Lord is real. You know that your father is going to embrace you in compassion in the end of the day when you need him the most. And also to embrace him when you don't need him, right? But we always do. There's always something that we think we can handle. And that's the human pride. That's like, the, I call it the human defect because we always, like the default is to, <laughs> the default is to turn, the, the default is to turn to another, to a human instinct, to human nature, which tells us, call that therapist, or which is not bad, but it doesn't always work. And sometimes you need, to, you need to turn to God. And in my opinion, you should always turn to God. But again, everyone's different. Different experiences, different thought processes, right? So, like, it can be your knee jerk, but <laughs> my main point is that, like, it's people's last resort because everything else is accessible first. And then when you have absolutely nothing and you're on the street with your bags everywhere, you have no money, no family to turn to, you are obliterated with drugs and alcohol, whatever, you have nothing, then, okay, maybe I'll turn to God now. Mm. And that's where they find that seed of hope. And they could start again. It presents that opportunity I was telling you about, where you're just completely transformed in the Holy Spirit, and you move forward that way. I think that... But the, the idea of God is this acceptable being that will understand your mistake and your life whereas an issue we have with humanity that we've discussed is that it's hard for us to let go of behaviour that has been negative towards us mm-hmm. foul play we struggle to let that go suffering yeah yeah and it could be the case for people in these scenarios that they've ruined all relationships around them and based on human nature based on human nature i think that it's likely for people to distance themselves from people in that state of mind where they've gone down like like you said before the, the person who you've helped on the street you're a bit... Oh. We were worried because we didn't know like, if she was okay, stable or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could um, kind of feel the bad energy too. So, I think that maybe because no one around them is likely to be forgiving of them, it's like, well, there's also this available option mm-hmm. to them with in the form of God. And I, I, un- I do understand it because it's... I think having that, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, I think having an idea that there is uh, something out there as a God that will be forgiving of everything helps people to understand that their life is a process of making 
difficult choices and hard mm-hmm. choices. Well, this is going to be my point about the like mental health parameters, right? Mm-hmm. That like the positives of being, of, of being someone who who follows God, that brings you out of that like depth that you don't want to be in. Okay, so I think we've come to a conclusion. How maybe. long was that? I th- I don't know. I think four hours and something minutes. I think we're approaching so I've got here five hours. Six forty. Yeah, so we are approaching five hours, which is the longest podcast. That is insane, but it was worth it. I enjoyed that conversation. Yeah. As if we spent so much time together at the kindergarten, and then like actually sitting down and conversing about stuff. Yeah, it's really cool. It's hard to converse properly in a workplace, even though we have got pretty laid back job where you can communicate. Well, kids are screaming all the time. Yeah, there's still it's distractions of yeah. commu- to the communication and, you know, we've spoke about things mm. uh, at the school and we had the roofing out and I don't know, looked at any gigs or whatever, but I guess there's been an opportunity to, to dive deep. Yeah, we've gone deep. Yeah, <laughs> super. Yeah. Me pulling out my devotional versus... Yeah. <laughs> comfort pillows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So you were, you were saying before actually that you you were praying for the podcast. I was. Yeah. And the rest of my group and a few yeah. other people. Yeah. <laughs> but it, so can you explain the process behind it? From you explained it before, but I'll probably read. What do you mean, like prayer? The um the, the, just for the, so you said before when we were on like a little break that when you were praying for the podcast and obviously the other people involved in that you were hoping that it was good because you seen that it was good things. Yeah, I can't remember what you were saying. Yeah, I'm confused. <laughs> so you were saying, like, you see it as a good thing. Oh, like, an, okay, yeah, I saw it. Okay, so it's the thing. Whoever's listening to it right now, mm-hmm. I want them to know that God is there for them. And I'm not trying to convert anyone, mm-hmm. but I want people to know that the option exists. Mm-hmm. And he always has his arms open. That's why I was referencing Luke chapter 15. Because that is exactly what God is. It's compassionate and understanding. And I think if somebody took the time to get to know his character, they would be pretty amazed. And the Bible is just, I, I don't even have a word for it. It's just like every time you read something and it connects the dot, you're like, how is that possible? This was written so long ago. And it just blows your mind. So if anyone's interested in it, I want to be able to say, hey, you know, this is something that might be an option for you, you know? And as as someone who loves God and sees him as a father and wants to spread the word of God, this is something, this is a form of evangelism for me. And it's not just that, it's speaking with you and moving conversation forward with you and getting to know you as a friend, that's also a part of it. So, I don't know, I don't normally do this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I've never done a podcast in my life. I have yeah. no idea... Like, I was just like, that's what I was asking so many questions. I was like, so, like, doing breaks. <laughs> I'm, like, so new to this whole thing. Okay. And that's why doing this is just so important. Mm-hmm. And I realized, but I was, like, really anxious because I don't know the process. But behind that as well, and more importantly, it was about spreading the word of God and having the chance to advocate for so many Christians who do get bullied, who do get put down, and who are misunderstood because they are. You have a lot of Christians who it's seen as like Christians are seen as the ones who are like snooty, you know, they got their noses in the air, but it's not the case. A lot of Christians don't see themselves that way. 
we feel more guilty, I guess. Like, because we, we go to church and we're like, I did this, you know, I did that. And you, you have to rethink and rethink. I mean, you turn to God all the time. It's a whole learning process and it's humbling. There's a lot of, there's a lot of humility in turning to God. So anyway, I just wanted to provide a, a nice sobering perspective for this podcast so that people can understand maybe a different point of view or see that there is another option there. And that if they're, if they're willing to see anything about God, that the information is there for them. Now, I don't know what how to release it because I don't know if to do it in like one big, <laughs> one, oh, big no. one big block or whether to do like part one, part two because it's... Part one, part two, part three. Uh, this, it's too long. You can't... Yeah. No one's going to do four hours, five hours. Know, well, there was a podcast with uh, Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson that came out the other day. It was four hours. And I'm a big fan of Jordan Peterson. But I was like, four hours. Too long. It, yeah, I mean, this is long, definitely. So maybe part one, part two. And it, the, the issue with podcasts is that they are so long. You know? But I, I think, the, I guess, the way that... Uh, a good way of getting the message across is finding... Mm-hmm two or three snippets out of the whole conversation yeah. that, that people like. and I actually, I do listen back to them. This one I'm going to have to listen back to because I'm going to do a lot of editing to it. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's so okay. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it's a learning process for me because I haven't done that before. It's actually, ah, record it, chuck it on, get me started, let's go. Now I'm trying to change. He does five hours of yeah, <laughs> now, let's do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I was supposed to do one with Ben yesterday, my mate Ben, but he forgot. He, he was very apologetic. He was very apologetic. But to be fair, we also... We, <laughs> I was trying to set this thing up since, like, last year. Just, like... I know. I mean, I'm not... What's in October? I'm not somebody who is very organised when it comes to this stuff. Because you're laid back. It's authentic, yeah. you know? It's not, like, a big... It's not too big of a deal. It's just, like, a hobby. Mm. It's not, like, a... It needs to be done right now. Exactly. But... I'll, have you enjoyed the experience of doing the podcast? Five stars. Should put that in the beginning. Five star experience. <laughs> but Kristen, um, I did because yeah, I keep looking at it, like making sure it's not. I know. I, <laughs> I'm I, so like, it's gonna delete itself. <laughs> we keep breaking eye contact because we're like paranoid that the laptop's gonna just. You know what? You know what you need to do. I think what you need to do if you do this with anyone else here, leave it on here. Like put the oh, laptop but so I can see it exactly. Because anything yeah. goes wrong, you just keep talking. Yeah, whereas it's over there, isn't it? And exactly. Like, it ruins the conversation. It looks like you're it. paranoid, like about someone coming. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I did enjoy it because I think I'm not very. You'd be surprised, but I'm not that talkative because I've lived here for you know, like <laughs> whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like I've lived here for so long. Um, already and it's just like shut me up mm-hmm. the way Czech people are they're, they're stubborn and they're cold and it takes a long time to get underneath them if you really want to get to know them and this the way we've spoken tonight is like super deep mm-hmm. I think if I had to have a conversation with my mom like this it wouldn't happen it would be tedious because it takes a long time for her to open up mm. but I think our willingness to speak is a big part of that I think if you met someone our age, it'd be easier. But if you met someone a little bit older, maybe like 30 plus. For example, our manager, I've met a lot of women like her. She's an extreme case. But like, 
that is a really good example of like a lot of the women here that I've met. So if you ever got someone older be a little bit tough, mm. she could get an old Bali and sit here and he can give you like a really interesting point of view. <laughs> I would I would like to interview an older person. So when I was in Croatia, unexpectedly. From On a Croatia, vacation. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was this, I met this Czech guy. So I was, I got a bus from Plitvica Lakes to Zagreb. And then I was waiting for my train. And there was a Czech guy. Sadly, I can't remember his name. So he's going as Czech guy. That's his name. And a guy who was traveling by his bike. So he was cycling to a lot of places around Europe. That's and then cool. Get him on train. That's pretty. That's pretty sick. And then we just started having a conversation. Those three were pretty random. Oh, you wish you could have recorded it. And well, so the cyclist realized. So we were joking with the cyclist because he realized he lost his helmet and we didn't know where it was. But then this this very friendly Czech guy uh, invited us back to his apartment because it was cold night. The train was delayed four hours, and I had some tea bags in my bag. So I was like, oh, yeah, we'll go back. And I just sat drinking tea with this Czech guy. And he, he was just, like, <laughs> talking about the Czech Republic, what it used to be like. and it, The good old days. Yeah, it, uh, it wasn't the good old days, no. I think. <laughs> he was just, like, the way he'd say things, because he was quite passionate. Like, if he got annoyed at something, he'd, like, tell the story. But he'd always end with, like, like what the fuck? <laughs> like, every time it was, a like, a, he was annoyed. Fuck, and it was just a strange situation to be in where we, I was watching 80s hits with him, sat drinking tea in this guy's apartment that I met like an hour before, and the, the guy, the cyclist guy, was asleep in the other room. Yeah. But the, you know what? I actually had an idea of starting a podcast where it would be like remote, and you just, I'd have a, like, so one of the ideas I had was having a camper van, mm-hmm. and I'm traveling around and interviewing people in the back of the camper van. Dude, that's insane. I love that idea. Mm. But I mean, it might not be as practical now because of COVID, but like, it's so cool. Yeah. That is re- that is like awesome. That's I what I want to do. But then I've just realized it's like, so if I get everything in my bag, then I can just randomly like, do a podcast to some random I guy. love that. You know, people, well, I don't know if you've seen those YouTube, YouTube videos, it's like <laughs> where people go around, they like hold those things like attached to a cord and they walk around, they just like ask people questions. Uh, Andrew Callahan. The uh, all gas, no brakes. No clue. I have no idea who these people are. I've that, seen like reels. Yeah, it might be. Like in Los uh, Angeles, I've seen a couple of them. It might be all gas. Well, so wait, does Andrew he have like white hair? No, curly ginger hair. No, yeah, way, I, way, I think I might have seen, I might have seen yeah. him. Yeah. And he, so he's he's good because. Based. No, I'm kidding. He's yeah. he. Okay, I'd say he leans more to the left, but it doesn't come out in his content right so for example let's say the black lives matter protest what he was doing was boots on the ground journalism oh. he was standing in front of a burning down walmart or maybe something else maybe not a walmart <laughs> uh, some, some type of store in america and he was talking to black people and like why they were doing it and then he was showing for example fox news and cnn maybe just Fox News, that they were on this bridge above it all and like going, 30 Joe Biden voters are out protesting. And, and it was it was showing that the, there's, there's an agenda on 
both sides of both sides, both sides of the media. 100%. And the way he's approaching it is great because he, he's he's getting the raw footage of like mm-hmm. this is what's really going on. Right. And it's like if you want if you want someone's opinion about it rather than getting it filtered through somebody else's yeah, perception. Yeah, get it yourself. And given it is not a very healthy situation burning down a shop no matter who it is. Yeah. That's what that Carl Rittenhouse dude got like fire for like being there but anyway that's a bad topic that's a rabbit hole yeah that's like (laughs) (laughs) it's like hey cyan let's discuss politics four hours later so basically well we have to go to work now yeah it was part five (laughs) car written (laughs) house and personal agenda okay let's go away from the topic now um on that note thank you for coming on so it was good Ciao Chubka, not Cyan. Ciao Chubki, people listening. What? <laughs> bye, bye bitches. <laughs> that's, that's what it says. Ciao, ciao. Nice.